Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to bring to you Supreme. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Supreme Decisions Legal Minute Podcast, and I am your host, Supreme Decisions. And today, I want to talk about something because in the last few weeks, I've been going over a lot of things, and there have been a lot of new developments, and I've been watching a lot of things go on and transpire and all of that good stuff. Well, I'm going to start off with the obvious. One, the podcast is now expanding. As I told you guys before, be on the lookout for the new podcast, which will actually be up uh, the 1st of October. October 1st will be the first podcast. It's going to be one that's going to be a little bit more frequent because I'm going to talk about everyday things. And I'm also going to be doing some live shows with that podcast. So you'll be able to get it video as well as audio. So in this case, we're just doing audio for the most part. This Sometimes you get some behind the scenes highlights of while I'm speaking. But today, we're just going to deal with the audio. And oh yes, the, I forgot the name of the new podcast will be Supreme 846. Supreme 846, and it'll be available on the same platforms, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Um, we're just, just expanding. This podcast will still be going on. I will have it out every Monday, um, 5 a.m. Eastern Time, because I do realize a lot of people want this in traffic. I have no idea why you guys love my voice, but I appreciate it. But a lot of times we have have a lot of issues where we're dealing with police or we're looking at something that a police officer has or has not done and we're looking for excuses of why it happens and even sometimes we use the the form of it being a regular occurrence and in being a regular occurrence one of my arguments is always the warrant requirement and that is today's episode's title the warrant requirement one of the things that kind of shocked the nation or has everybody on an uproar or even speaking out is the Breonna Taylor issue. And I did a little show about that because I spoke about what went wrong in the warrant, why the war was invalidated, and the whole context of what the warrant entailed. Because... One of the things that you're constantly hearing is defund the police, defund the police, defund the police. We don't need police. And I'm not one of those people that you're going to hear say that. You're going to hear me say something like restructuring our current policing system. You're going to hear me talk about actually allocating funds where it's necessary in the policing department. And you're going to hear me speak about things such as retraining all officers. Because as we look at policing around the world, and we look at some of the places where there is a higher or greater police presence than the U.S., and you look at the fact that they have less than 1% of the incidents or the fatal incidents that the U.S. police have in these greater areas, you look at the major difference is training time. Because... Again, a police officer's duty, their first duty, is for the preservation of life. The problem is they're not being trained, for, for lack of a better word, on 
what proper policing is. And just like you hear me speak of all the time, a police officer is a public servant. I've given you court cases that say as much. I've even spoke about the warrant itself or even their oath of office and what their oath, their oath entails and even some context of why they need a warrant because there's only two people that they can actually um, move from. They have to move from you offering them consent to do something because they can't give you instructions via Terry v. Ohio as I've illustrated because if they give you instruction there is no crime then that's a fourth amendment violation if you follow those instructions and then in um, Malloy it spoke about the simple fact of them not being smart enough to actually determine what probable cause is which would allow them to do something absent your consent or even a warrant which would mean they have to go to a judge because a judge has a better idea of what probable cause is and more often than not you see people in places such as Nevada where it had to be written down that forced ID is illegal even though self-incrimination is something that was guarded against from government intrusion but they still had to be told again and then even in 2020 there's a young man in Pittsburgh who asked a police officer a question and was then arrested simply because he refused to ID himself although the officer stated that he had committed no crime so if there is no crime there is no purpose to ID and that's even Hybel v Nevada that's in a few of the other ones but this is one where I get into the depths of it because there are a lot of things that I say and for whatever reason they're kind of overlooked or kind of disregarded simply because they're not of the norm they're not what's being programmed to us via television or hell any other medium so today the context of this is going to come from a John Marshall Law Review not sure if you guys even know or have ever heard of the John Marshall Law Review because generally a lot of times when we're doing these podcasts they're coming from something that I speak about constantly and it's the Harvard Law Review because they do a breakdown of these cases or even the context and application of these cases through court cases that they've already um, either research or in my case I'm able to add on to what they've done simply because there are some things that I have applied myself in my court cases whether it was for myself or for others in most cases for others so understanding this comes from the John Marshall Law Review the courts in Mally v. Briggs the court offered a civil remedy for Fourth Amendment violations on the wake of the eroding exclusionary rule. Now, this was a, a 1986 issue because I'm not sure if you guys remember one of the first videos I put out. I think it was video 15 where I spoke about the ex exculpatory or exclusionary rules for an officer to do a search. And then a lot of times you hear them using something call 
the incident to arrest. But the problem is, again, it goes back to Mally V. Briggs because they need consent from you or they need the okay from a judge because, again, just like I spoke about literally last week in the video that I did and I spoke about police aren't smart enough to determine what probable cause is because they're not trained on what probable cause is because they're not dealing in law. They're dealing in revenue generation and they're counting on the fact that most of you don't know the difference and that you will not fight back. And if you do fight back, they're going to do things such as not turn over evidence. Then they're going to force you into Brady issues. And then they'll kind of circumvent the rules through the fact that at the end of the day, if they turned over evidence, they could not convict you of anything, which is why those that fight back win more often than not. So it's understanding these ploys. Because in Mally v. Briggs, a police officer who causes an individual to unconstitutionally be arrested by presenting a judge with a complaint and an affidavit unsupported by probable cause is to only qualify not absolute immunity from liability in civil actions. Now, it goes on to read, sue directly the police officer who unlawfully caused them to be arrested. These are the things that I talk about because here's where the misconception comes from. I constantly say, you sue a police officer in their individual capacity or personal capacity simply because once they violate, they are no longer actors of the government. Why? Because in order for them to be an actor of the government, it had to be written that this is okay for them to do. And what's going to happen? They're not trained on what's written. They're trained on intimidation tactics. They're trained on gener revenue generation. This is why whenever you've seen the officers here in Atlanta, and yes, I said the officers here in Atlanta, when all of these guys called in sick, when they got the blue flu, as they called it, it was because they were being trained on something and then being punished for what they were trained on. Not that they weren't following the law. They was following what they were trained on. And now they're all being slapped in the face. Because why all of them now face some form of liability if the person that they wronged decided to fight back. Because again, a officer that causes an individual to be unconstitutionally arrested by presenting a judge with a complaint. Now, I'm going to stop right there because I'm coming back to it. And this is going to be something that I'm going to harp on. I want to make sure you understand exactly is what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. When an individual by a police officer is arrested without probable cause, the police officer has to turn in this thing called a police report. It then becomes when I told you how they come into court because they use that report as an amicus brief because they're coming in as an expert. They're coming in not as a witness. They're coming in as the one who is speaking on the actual law that was violated. That is constitutionally presenting a judge with a complaint and an affidavit supported by probable cause, unsupported by probable cause. The affidavit becomes when it gets stamped and then filed into the case. 
because remember I told you an affidavit is nothing more than verbiage, your side. When they're putting their side in, it's unsupported by probable cause. And remember, when we talked about probable cause, probable cause only comes from a crime. And those of you that don't like the fact that I say that, maybe you don't understand the context in which I say it. I've gone back to even show you Allen v. Wright. Allen v. Wright says a person, because we talk about corpus delecti and injured parties, right? Because a person can only have standing if they have an injury directly from the person that is, quote unquote, the defendant. That is what standing derives from. That is why Ren v. U.S. never speaks of a traffic infraction being a crime. It is only a reason to be stopped. Why? Because the police and the government is responsible for the safety and the security of the people they are governing. That's it. The power remains with the governed. You are part of the governed. But you have to understand where your power is. Hollering and screaming doesn't make you powerful. Being able to stand up and look the devil in the eye makes you powerful. Because it's that's when the bully stops bullying. Because anybody that allows a bully to keep bullying, you're condoning the actions that are happening. This is why a lot of times you're seeing these people going out and they're protesting, they're tearing things up. And then when it's time to stand in front of a judge, they're crying. Because they didn't have any real power. They were standing up because they thought they could and they didn't have the strength or wherewithal to do anything else because they're programmed to believe that they're weak. They're programmed to believe that the people they're standing in front of has some power over them and they don't have any power that you don't give them. I'm going to say that one more time. The government doesn't have any power that you don't give them. And even in this, the officer who causes an individual to be unconstitutionally arrested by presenting a judge with a complaint, which is his police, his or her police report, which once it is signed, it becomes an affidavit and supported by probable cause is qualified, is entitled to only qualify, but not absolute immunity from liability in civil rights actions. Because what did I tell you to file your, your, um, shit, your federal complaints in? It's under a civil rights violation. Why? Because it's a federal right that's being guarded that the officer violated. That's why you sue them in their personal capacity, simply because in order for it to be a 1983 issue, it has to have something that is written down and quote unquote called law. What is happening is these bastards aren't being trained on law. And here's the funniest part about that. Many of us get upset because we know they're not being trained on law. And then when they're not following law, we're getting upset because they don't know law. And it's funny to me. Because at the end of the day, because even when the when the 57 quit up there in Buffalo because they couldn't push down old men and put people in chokeholds and then decide to come back two days later and push down somebody and put them in a chokehold and wonder why. I don't know why these guys are upset because that's how they were trained. That is the issue. So defunding doesn't do anything if they're not being trained properly. And understanding a lot of times what they're doing. When you look at a 1976 case, 
illegally obtained evidence need not be supported at trial or suppressed at trial in a civil action brought by the United States. Because at the end of the day, anything that's not supported by evidence becomes hearsay. I think you've heard me say that before. If it's not supported by evidence, it's hearsay. If an officer is testifying to something and he doesn't have video, it's hearsay. If an officer is on the stand and he's presenting the records of a gun but doesn't have issue of how that gun was taken or video supporting that gun pointing at you, when you're talking about a radar and speeding, he doesn't have evidence. It's hearsay. Any continuance then means they're accepting liability for this foolishness. And guess what most people don't do? I just want you to guess. They don't allow themselves to be sucked in by other people's issues. Because the friend of my friend is not my enemy. They're just merely a tool that I use to destroy them both. Most of you have to understand that. Because I actually, uh, I, I'm going to get the story again. Because there was a young lady that I was helping sue someone. There was a couple issues that happened in this lawsuit. And somebody else got in the way. And if you guys probably heard me tell the stories whenever I first started this. I had an absolute Uzi. Everybody that spoke to me could get it. And I was getting it to them. And I mean the same way I was getting it to them. I wasn't giving it. That's being polite. I wasn't giving. I was getting it to them. Well, this young lady, she goes, well, I don't want to do that because she's nice. She's a nice lady. I don't, I don't want to do that. Three days later, she found out this nice lady threw her under the bus. And I, and I was sarcastically like, oh, she didn't care anything about you? She didn't care that you were nice and let her slide? But see, now that you didn't respond the way you should have or were informed to, now you have other things that you have to do. And in the midst of doing that, you are now stuck into something else because now the avalanche is higher. So when you're talking about this, if you're not going after these officers, if you're not fighting these cases, you're condoning all of their actions, you're telling them what they're doing is right. Because even when you're talking about things as simple as the exclusionary rule, when they're gathering stuff and it's not done properly by getting the warrant, these are the things that gave birth to Map B Ohio. These are the reasons why they're using context of it need not be suppressed. Because again, that's where you get the context of the application of hearsay. Because if it's hearsay, it can't be presented. But you have to know that it's hearsay in order to know to object to it. Because these are the things that I get into. These are how you're going to grow. These are how you're going to be better at what you're doing. And even in the United States v. Calandra, 414 U.S., 338-1974. Illegally obtained evidence can be used before a grand jury. Now, a lot of times we have these issues where the district attorneys, they go out and they pretty much handpick who they're going to well hell let's let's call it what it is because anybody that's being brought up on felonies only be that way if they're brought up via indictment why because that's the constitutional acts that's supposed to follow or be a part of it 
we're upset when these police officers break the law and then they're not indicted. And then the old adage is, a prosecutor can indict a piece of paper if they chose to. And then we look at them not being able to indict these police officers. But then you hear me say things like, piranha don't eat piranha. They eat what disturbs the water. Just understand that. Got a million of piranha in a pond. Pond is perfectly still until something else disturbs the water. Something that's not a piranha. And then that's the defense attorney. That's the prosecutor. That's the judge. All of them are on the same team. You're not on that team. You're not a part of that. And remember, it's about revenue. So you're either paying an attorney who then tells you to pay everybody else, or you're going to pay with your time because everybody's not on your team. Literally, the only person on your team is you. And if you're not handling your business properly, they're going to throw you under the bus. So understanding that. And what you have to understand is I always tell people, I don't give police a hard time. I just make them do their job. Because when I talked about the IQ of a police officer, I often throw in employees at McDonald's. Because, honestly, they're li literally at the same IQ level. You're talking about the average intelligence of people. And people have the most issues with those that are making $9 an hour and working at McDonald's versus a police officer with the exact same intelligence, quoting, making $100,000. You'll let the $100,000 guy go because he can't make fries, but you'll get upset with this child who's working just probably barely in high school or barely out of high school because your fries ain't hot. But the person that is out here that swore and volunteered to protect your safety and uphold the law is out here violating and putting you at risk. You're giving them a pass. How does that make sense? And then when they do something, you're too afraid to say they did something wrong. And that is the issue we have because even if we defund the police, we still have those that are not ready to stand up. Even if we do retrain the police, we still have people that will not make them do their job. Because at the end of the day, most of us are not afraid of the darkness. It's our light that frightens us most. I said that poem for an absolute reason. Because most of us have no idea how powerful we really are when it comes to the court system. Most of us have no idea how powerful we are when we're just actually going through life. Most of us have no idea how powerful we really are when it deals with just controlling our own surroundings. Once we get a hold of that, once we figure out who we are as people, only then can we move forward as a country. Because the, the funniest thing is, because I'm going to actually get into some, some other stuff in a minute, but I'm going I'm to come back. The funniest thing is, I have a friend of mine. She's, a, she's an ex-cop. And we had a conversation that went in-depth. I'm, go, I'm probably going to do a video on it. Had a conversation that went in-depth where we spoke about two instances. One was an act of vigilantism, 
In other words, just an act of violence. We were talking about the treatment of police officers. And in the midst of that, she always apologized for the police. Which means, in the context that I'm giving it, she always found a reason for the police officer to be right. And there was a there was a point where we were we were talking about something I was doing on video. The second I boxed her into her own words, because remember I told you you can't argue with yourself. I used her own words regarding a video with this police officer doing wrong, and then her her entire verbiage went from look at the video, this is what happened, to well, we're not going to watch the video. Let's disregard the video. We're going to let the experts decide. But at the same time, you were condemning someone else by using a video that you only had part of. Because I even asked her because the context came from the Jacob Blake issue. Because I asked her, I said, if you're going to okay one, why would, why would you not okay the other? I said, but here's the flip side of that. I said, if the cops did what they were supposed to be doing and they did the right thing, why did they not release the video? I said, because when they thought they did the right thing in Indianapolis with that young lady that was in a parked car that the officer did not use proper policing on, they thought they did the right thing. They released the video within two days after they going viral. Why haven't they released these body cam videos? After one, they lied and said they didn't have any. And then when you had someone release a video with three of the officers wearing the body cam, why are they not releasing those videos? Because if they were the good guys, why hide that video? Why lie about not having it? And see, and these are the things that even if you're apologizing for it, you can't get around it. Because you can't tell me, oh, I don't have video. We don't have body cams. And then we show a video with three people that are there wearing body cameras and they're all blinking. The light is solid and it's blinking on and off. Which means it's recording. Why are we not seeing those recordings? And then it's like, oh, well, we're going to wait for the expert. No, 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 no. Because you wanted me to look at the video from the amateur. But now I bring up the fact that the amateur recorded three officers having video. Now we're going to wait. Now we're going to wait to come up with something. And these are the reasons why I constantly tell you guys, if you don't have a dashboard cam, shame on you. Because I've been offering it for the past three months, and I think one person ordered it. These are the things that protect you. And hell, it's 30 bucks. If your life isn't worth 30 bucks, what are you doing? Like, Really, because now you're saying, okay, I trust that the police officer is going to do the right thing. They're going to do a good job at what they're doing. And I'm pretty sure it's not very many people that's going to think that what they're doing is good. I'm pretty sure it's not very many people that's going to think that the job that they have based on what they're doing is okay. Because at the end of this, you have to figure out what it is that makes one shine. What it is that you are condoning, what it is that you are trying to uphold, what it is that you are trying to make sure happens or don't happen, what it is that you support, what it is that you stand for. And if you stand for 
the absolute reckoning of justice, if you stand for absolution on actual law, why would you allow someone to do something that is not lawful? Because if you saw somebody with their pants sagging, you'd have an issue with it. But you see a police officer kicking someone in the head, and you're, that's okay. You have someone that is trained in hand-to-hand -hand combat. They are given six to seven non-lethal weapons. Why? Because their first priority is the preservation of life. Instead, you see someone becoming judge, jury, and executioner. And even one, because it's actually one I've been holding on. Because I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Because it's one that was mind-blowing. I watched the video after I watched several videos of police officers literally shooting someone in the back. Or shooting someone that had a cell phone. Oh, he, was, he had a cell phone. He had a cell phone. It looked like a gun. I thought it was a gun. I was in fear for my life. And then you have a police officer pull someone over. And a young lady say, it looked like a gun. His cell phone looked like a gun. She actually said, his cell phone looks like a gun. Officer then goes into this man's box and pulls out his cell phone, which is a chrome, big-ass galaxy, and says, there is no way, no way that she can mistake this for a gun. And then other officers agreed. And then the next day after this, Mr. Clark in California gets shot nine times because they mistake his cell phone for a gun. I'm thinking about doing a video on that because I think that's better visual. Because you hear the police saying there's no way you can mistake a cell phone for a gun while killing multiple people, mistaking their cell phone for a gun. I want that to sink in. Those that are trained tell the layman, the layman can't make a mistake between a cell phone and a gun, but the trained can make multiple mistakes of cell phones and guns and do something that takes someone else's life. They can do something with absolution. Just let that sink in. And then when you're hollering for them to be retrained, or even restructured, they have an issue with it. When you're hollering for them to actually do their job properly, they have a problem with it. When you're questioning the facts that they are not doing what they are paid to do, they have a problem with it. Let that sink in. I just want you to understand that. That's, that's what I want to talk about. But now we're going to get back on topic because you know I do a little ranting every now and then. When I want you to understand, in applying for a warrant, for their arrest under circumstances in which probable cause was lacking, it violated their Fourth Amendment rights. So when you're talking about an officer wanting to pat you down or search you, oh, well, that, what you're talking about is a Terry Frisk. I'm not sure if you remember the video I did with Solid Gold or 24 Solid Gold. can't remember the exact name of it. But the officer said, oh, no, well, I'm not doing a search. I'm doing a pat down. Guess what? It's the same thing. And guess what you need? You either need consent or a warrant. And just like Terryville, Ohio states, in order for them to do either, you need consent. And then for them to get a warrant, they're going to have to point to the dangerous area. They're going to have to point. They can't just search willy-nilly. 
I literally showed you a video of a police officer on the stand stating that he did a pat down and he did a pat down for weapons and then found a necklace, a very thin necklace. And the officer said, well, how did this necklace look like a dangerous weapon? And then asked him to describe the weapon he thought it was. And his response was, I don't know. Because guess what you can't get a warrant for? I don't know. Guess what isn't probable cause? I don't know. Guess what you can't go to a judge with? I don't know. I want you to understand that. Because if they don't know, guess who what they're supposed to do? Either get consent from you or get something from a judge. Because guess what they don't know? What probable cause is. So, understanding that, it's just keeping it simple. Because me, I have a complex. I really do. And my complex is simple to me. It's that I think most people are stupid. I think cops especially are lacking. Not all, but most are. And in dealing with them, you have to deal with them as they are. And just like I said, with me, because I always tell them for their safety and mine, go ahead and get a judge. And you got 19 minutes. It's those that are overly aggressive because they don't know law. Because what I found out is the only time people are aggressive is when they aren't confident in what they're doing. That's the only time you need to be aggressive. You get angry because you're simple-minded. That's not me. That's psychology. Because it got to the point where uh, one of my buddies, Alicia, used to constantly tell me, don't get mad. Because when I got angry, I used it as a tool to actually kind of lash out and, you know, pretty much stand on what it is that I felt I need to stand on. And, yeah, he was like, yeah, don't do that. Don't worry about it. You're doing too much. And I was like, okay. Because at the end of the day, as long as I was confident in what it was I knew and I understand how to execute it, that's when it becomes a separator because that's where my confidence comes from. That's why a lot of times when you saw any of my booking photos, I had that shit-eating grin on my face. Because at the end of the day, the whole thing that I'm giving you is something that I'm confident in. It's that one thing that separates me from everyone else. It's the one thing that makes me me. But it's because I'm doing what I'm trained to do. Trust the work that I put in. Because just like I tell people, I love Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder tells everybody, I don't play boxing. Well, the one thing I don't do, I don't play law. I've won law at the highest levels. I've won, well, not the highest level. I haven't gone to the Supreme Court. I've won in appeals court. I've won in federal court. I've won in state court. I've won in traffic court. I've won in felony court. I've had guns cases thrown out. I've had multiple car issues thrown out. I've won civil cases. I've also won contractual cases. I've won real estate cases because I trust the process. I trust my learning. And guess what I also do? I practice my craft. I go back every day and I'm going into something to learn law, to make sure iron stays sharp because even those that disagree with me it allows the iron to get sharp because iron sharpens iron that's all it is because just like many of you know i used to speak about dexter because dexter got on my nerves constantly but once i realized what dexter was doing dexter wasn't contradicting me 
Dexter actually was someone that was supporting me. Dexter was making sure that I wasn't giving out just willy-nilly information. He was making sure everything that I did and said was on point to what the actual law was, even through application, because that is the most important part. Once you're doing that, that's when you are separated and, and pretty much let to do what is right, what is lawful, and what allows each one that listens, watches, and applies to grow with. And that's what Dexter was doing. That's why I don't mind having those conversations. Because it may be something that you spark in me to either remember or go study and resharpen. Because that's the whole point of this. We're not in this to do this alone. We're in this to grow. Because even if you're not, if it's not something that you can apply, it's something you can pass on. It's something that allows you to be greater than you are today. And you've heard me speak about this. When I give you something, no, I'm not giving you all of it. Because, you know, if I just pile your plate up full of food, you can't eat all of it. But if I give you little plates at a time, not only can you eat it, you can get full. And then guess what? You can come back for more. Because some of it's not always, sometimes Sometimes I give you some baked beans and, and I give you some cauliflower. It might not, it might not be your taste today. But I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Because it offers nourishment in different ways. Because just like I tell people, the one thing that, that irks me is because I'm one of those guys that I'm a child protector. That's what I do. I'm going to protect, protect those children that surround me. Those are my least viewed, listened to, downloaded videos, podcasts. I understand. I get it. Because nobody cares until it happens to them. And then once it's happening, then what? A lot of it actually just breaks down to understanding contracts. But you need to understand when those things show up. It's just like me. I'm a basketball guy. I also, I play, I watch the NBA. I watch it. Like, I'm watching late because I'm a LeBron fan now. And in the context of this, in the context of this, I'm going to get back on something. When Phil Jackson was coach of the Lakers, he ran this thing called a triangle. He ran it in Chicago with Michael Jordan, blah, 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 blah. Now, the thing was, he also made these same Chicago Bulls and the same L.A. Lakers study the other team's offensive sets as well as their defensive sets. Because the offense in the triangle had to work like water, had to be an amoeba. Because it had to be fluent based on what's in front of you. So when they saw something, it wasn't new to them. They could work off muscle memory. That's what I'm trying to give you. Give you the ability to work off muscle memory. And keeping that in mind, understanding what the application is, why I tell you to get the warrant application, and then understanding how to, as I said, because I'm coming up with a new series, weaponizing it. Because at the end of the day, you have to understand how to press them to get what it is that you want. Now, I'm going to move forward a little bit. Because the last thing I talked about was applying for a warrant for their arrest under circumstances in which probable cause was lacking violated your Fourth Amendment rights. 
a police officer when it's contended that the officer caused the plaintiff's unconstitutional arrest by presenting a judge with a complaint and an affidavit unsupported by probable cause, the police officer who causes that person to be unconstitutionally arrested through actions unsupported by probable cause is entitled to only qualified but not absolute immunity from civil liability. The court began its analysis by first rejecting the contention that a police officer who is acting within his official capacity has absolute immunity from civil liability. Now, they'll tell you all day long, Oh, I have qualified immunity. I have qualified immunity. I have qualified immunity. No, you don't. Because the second you did not follow federal law, you lost qualified immunity. You sue them in their individual capacity because the state can't allow them to do what they did, which is why I speak about the citation because the citation itself is a contractual obligation. And just like when I did the video, I actually showed you the Texas lawyer that used the verbiage of it's only signing that citation is only the action of promising to show up. Other than that, they don't have a contract with you. So when you're doing that and you're understanding that, that's why they have officer discretion. They exercise officer discretion by signing that, that citation, calling it in, and doing some of the other things that go along with that. Outside of that, it's on you. So now you have to figure that out. So give me a few minutes. We're going to come back after this commercial break. All right, everybody, welcome back. Now, I want you to think about something. How often have you heard someone say, or even you have said, I can't sue this police officer because he has qualified immunity? And you hear me say constantly, sue them in their personal capacity. Sue police officers and government officials in their individual capacity. Sue them in their personal capacity. And now I'm giving you Mally B. Briggs. And Mally B. Briggs defines how and why you sue a police officer or a government agent in their individual capacity. Because when you're doing this, you're understanding the one thing they have is officer discretion. They have the opportunity to think for themselves, not just follow orders. They have the opportunity for themselves to determine is what they're doing is actually justified. Do they have actual permission or consent to do the things that they're doing? Now, when I was reading off earlier, a police officer who causes an individual to be unconstitutionally arrested by presenting a judge with a complaint and an affidavit supported by probable cause is entitled to only qualified, not absolute immunity from liability in civil actions. You sue directly the police officer who has unlawfully caused them to be arrested. 
And then here's here's the part that I want you to catch. Because even in applying for a warrant for their arrest under circumstances which probable cause was lacking, violated their Fourth Amendment rights. And this is why the application is so important. Because just applying is a violation if it is lacking probable cause. That's why you have cases like Hybel v. Nevada. That's why you have cases that even situate to turn into your Turner v. Drivers. That's why you have these Terry v. Ohio's. Because police officers themselves are not trained on law. They're trained on revenue generation. They're not trained on the specificity of what it is they can and can't do. They're taught tactics that was actually brought up through mob enforcement. We hear them using techniques that are illegal and deemed wrong, such as the read technique. They use these techniques on children. And if you haven't noticed, they're arresting and taking children to jail removing them from school even in one incident removing a nine-year-old from virtual school because she saw this young man had toy water guns on his wall gonna say that one more time they're going into people's homes based off of things that are not probable cause and no one is holding them accountable. When you have 95% of people that are having interactions that are saying, you know what, it's okay. They're condoning those actions. Because the one thing I love is the deeper you go in Malloy v. Briggs, You get to understand the context. You get to understand what it is they can and can't do. You get to see firsthand how policing is supposed to go. Now, here's another part of when you're going into, because again, even in the 1983, here is one of the Here's one of the constructs of it. A police officer when is contended that the officer caused the plaintiff unconstitutional arrest by presenting a judge with a complaint and an affidavit unsupported by probable cause. And again, it goes into the police officer who causes the person to unconstitutionally be arrested through actions unsupported by probable cause is entitled to qualified, not absolute immunity from civil liability because even when you're talking about the statute of the um, 42 USC 1983 it goes every person who under color of any statute ordinance regulation custom or usage of any state or territory or the District of Columbia subjects or causes to be subject any citizen of the United States or other persons within the jurisdiction thereof to the deprivation of rights, privileges, or immunities 
secured by the Constitution and laws shall be liable to the party injured in action in law, suit in equity, or other proper proceedings for redress. For the purposes of this section, any act of Congress applicable exclusively to the District of Columbia shall be considered to be a statute of the District of Columbia. So what you're having there is, again, you have an option to do something or not do something. You're making a conscious choice. We're talking about an act that you are doing that is deliberate. So when you're getting something, because you can only get a warrant if there's probable cause, but the application is the request for that warrant. Because now when you go into the judge, the judge is the determining factor because we already spoke about how the police officer isn't smart enough to determine probable cause. So the judge we're saying is more learned in law because one, the judge is trained in law. And when you go in through the context of the court began its analogies by first rejecting the contention that a police officer who is acting within his official capacity has absolute immunity from civil liability. Because, because you know I give you the why. And the why is because once they act outside of the, those duties, they are no longer actors of the government. They are not Officer Johnson. They are Ted Johnson. They are not Officer Williams. It's Susan Williams. They are no longer police officers. But you have to be willing and ready to enforce it when it happens. And now, the type of common law immunities which have been recognized for specific types of public offices, the court noted that for public officials in the executive branch of government, the immunity recognized at common law has traditionally been only a qualified immunity. Now, remember the executive law is the one that enforces law. And remember, all law is based on common law foundations. So you have to get that. All law is based on common law foundational structure. So when you're talking about those that are doing acts that are outside the foundation of law, they are no longer actors of law. So that's when you sue them in their individual capacity because they are still responsible. They are not relieved of their liability. And the argument that a police officer's conduct is analogous to that of a complaining witness failed because complaining witnesses do not enjoy absolute immunity from civil liability at common law. Because you understand, this is one of the contexts, one of their defenses. Well, my affidavit, my application is not something 
that should be construed because I have qualified immunity. If someone as a complaining witness writes something false, let's say we use the example of Jesse Smollett. It was deemed that what he had alleged was false. The city of Chicago asked him to pay $120,000. He didn't enjoy qualified immunity. The police department, the police unions, and the city of Chicago at that time, Mayor Akeem Emanuel, actually attempted to sue him civilly. So if his statements aren't enjoyed by qualified immunity, how is it that a police officer's statement enjoys qualified immunity? It doesn't according to Mally V. Briggs. An immunity will be available where a police officer who obtains a warrant ha was objectively reasonable in his or her belief that there was enough facts alleged in the complaint and supporting affidavit to establish probable cause. Now, here's, the, here's where a lot of folks are going to get mixed up because Here's where a lot of folks don't want real answers. And guess what I get to give you? I get to give you a real answer. And the first part of that is the officer got a warrant. Now, the execution of that warrant is still in the hands of the officer. Because immunity will be available where a police officer who obtains a warrant now you remember that's what the must is they must obtain a warrant once that warrant is obtained then there's something else that happens because it's already been said they're not smart two the judge that's a detached magistrate is a better determinant of probable cause than the police officer so we got those strikes because now we're hearing the why of why I just said that. Because when you're establishing probable cause, that is determination of your guilt or innocent in any matter. But for those who are obviously incompetent or who intentionally violate the law, Qualified immunity is not granted. Now, I've done probably four videos on qualified immunity. I've spoken at least a hundred times on how qualified immunity is lost. Now, I'm going to read the statement again, and then I'm going to bellow how qualified immunity is lost. Now, but those who are obviously incompetent or who intentionally violate the law. How do you lose immunity? Or how is immunity lost by a police officer? Ignorance or obviously incompetent or willful act or who intentionally violate the law. These are the reasons 
for the requirements. These are the things that they're looking to do. And that is reducing premature applications for warrants. Because if you're holding them liable for their actions, I'm going to say that one more time. If you're holding them liable for their actions, guess what they're not going to continue doing? Because Gerard Butler, Law Abiding Citizen is one of my favorite movies. Because he said something, and it resonates with me because it's true. He said, lessons not learned in blood are easily forgotten. I'm going to say that one more time. Lessons not learned in blood are easily forgotten. Then there's a later part where they speak of how does a corporation apologize? How do you make a corporation bleed? You make them cut a check. How many times do you think someone's going to have to cut a check before they realize they're not going to continue doing that? And yes, I just paused for dramatic effect because I want you to think about that. If you are being, if every time you, if, you know what, let's go with Draymond Green. One season, Draymond Green was going genital crazy. It seemed like every other game he was getting the technical and hitting people in the groin. He got fined once, he got fined twice, he got fined three times. Now I want you to think about something. Since the last groin strike that Cleveland won their first title, how many groin strikes has Draymond Green had? Don't worry, I'll wait. Because many of you may not even be basketball fans. Many of you may not be Golden State fans, but I'm going to help you out on this one. Zero. Because Draymond learned if I kick somebody in the genitals, I'm going to lose a lot more money than I did the last three times. If you continue to hold someone accountable at every step of every action, they must answer. They must answer. Then they will start to change. And that's the issue people have with our current policing system. The problem we have with our current policing system is that nobody wants to police the police. No one wants to stand up for themselves. They want to go and tear down buildings. They want to go and just ambush cops and all this other foolishness. But here's the thing, that doesn't hurt them. What hurts them is standing up, looking at them and saying, you're going to do this right. I'm paying you very well to do the job properly. Until that happens, they're going to continue to use the Gestapo tactics. They're going to continue to not use proper policing orders. And they're going to continue putting you in positions to where you feel the only way or only means of fighting back is to destroy your stuff. Now, 
I'm going to get into some other stuff. But it's still going to be along the exact, exact same lines. But here's what I want you to take away from it. I want you to start paying close attention. You know, the first hour of this, you know, it's just me yapping. But I want you to pay attention. Because as you know, I like to say, do you see as I see? Do you feel as I feel? Because this is the context of not only what I'm constantly saying, but why I'm constantly saying it. And what it is that I'm giving you as a viewer on my channel, as a listener to my podcast, because it gives you the ideas of what it is I'm teaching, because I'm giving you the why I am teaching you application. I'm not just giving you cases because how often have you heard me go in depth in any case? I've only done it one other time. And was just to give you a little bit more context of that application. That was it. Because at the end of the day, knowing is half the battle. And if I can put you in positions to be successful, that's what I'm looking to do. Now, most of us understand the exclusion of evidence at a criminal trial imposes significant costs on society. The society... The social costs include the exclusion of evidence probative of guilt at criminal trial. Now, let me let me kind of break that down a little bit because I know it gets kind of confusing, especially the way I read. So the exclusion of evidence at a criminal trial imposes significant costs on society. Because again, if you're fighting back now. Not only do you have one trial, but now you have two. You have to go to another hearing and then another hearing. Why? Because you have prosecutors that are cherry picking cases. And then the social costs from the exclusion of evidence prohibitive of guilt at a criminal trial. What it does is also hinders the judicial system itself from moving in an orderly fashion because then you create these things called habit and I always talk about it they've been doing wrong so long they think it's right they're not trained properly I constantly say these things so now what happens is when you're fighting back you now put other folks in harm's way because even in a place such as Fort Bend County, Texas. There was an officer that did something that placed the district attorney of Fort Bend County in harm's way. Then put that prosecutor, then put the state of Texas in harm's way. And it cost the officer their job and pension. It cost Fort Bend County millions of dollars. It cost the DA <laughs> it cost the DA, let's put it that way. And it cost the state of Texas millions of dollars. Simply because an officer did not do what they were supposed to do and obtain proper probable cause or obtain a proper warrant. And then others attempted to cover up the actions of this officer. Because when you're doing that, 
when an officer makes a mistake of judgment, when they're acting on their own accord and not following their actual intuition or officer discretion, the prosecution's inability to use such evidence at trials hampers its effect to convict those who are truly guilty. Because I gave you a statement a while back. So shall 10 guilty go free, lest one innocent man be punished. What's happening is when you're fighting back, I speak about the judicial system not being for the innocent. Because when you're seeing things that are corrupt, the innocent are surprised by it. The criminals that benefit from it recognize it for what it is, a criminal act. And then when you're talking about the social and societal constructs of these mishaps, I'm going to give you a couple examples because you deal with a person's reputation. You look at a young man such as Cuba Gooding Jr. He was accused of sexually assaulting a woman at a restaurant. His attorney and the DA watched two hours of video of Cuba at this restaurant. Cuba was then seen never going near this woman. The DA still charged Cuba Gooding Jr. with rape. What happens is Cuba's reputation is damaged because they don't go after the person who said the wrong. Just by the accusations, people assume and accept. I'm going to say that one more time. Just because of the accusation, people assume and accept what is said first. So now his reputation is damaged. He can't do certain things. He can't go certain places. Because now if something does pop up that is actually real, people are going to say, you know what, he, he, he did that back back in 2016. He did, yeah, he was raping back then too. Nobody cares that that allegation was false or it was unfounded. All they care about is that it was made. And then the cost of an unconstitutional, <laughs> the cost of an unconstitutional arrest from all of society to the officer whose conduct in making the objectively unreasonable request for arrest resulted in the violation of an individual's rights. Because we're supposed to be free from harm to our reputation. That's why you can sue for defamation. We're supposed to be able to go about our day without causing injury or receiving injury from others. That has been taken away from you simply by someone making an accusation that you did something. And the last part of this is even when you're talking about this, 
every aspect of Mally B. Briggs is telling you sue that officer because that officer has officer discretion. They have free will. They have choice. Because I'm gonna give I'm about to give you something that's gonna blow your mind. The magistrate certainly has a responsibility to determine from the facts alleged whether probable cause exists. However, the officer applying for the warrant is not entitled to rely on the magistrate's determination that probable cause exists as a shield from liability because they still have officer discretion. They have a choice. They're supposed to understand the things that they're doing and what they're seeing because they are the ones on the scene. They are the ones there. They are the ones in the action. So that's why everyone is entrusting them to do it the right way. The problem is they're not trained in doing it the right way. And by not being trained to do it the right way, we need to hold them accountable for not doing it properly. Because even in the getting of the warrant, they use well-trained police officer in that officer's position. That's how they get immunity. A well-trained police officer. Here's the problem. Even that statement doesn't allow them to have immunity because they're not well-trained. We are speaking about their lack of training. We're speaking about them not being trained properly. Those are the things which set up clearly established. That set up why I'm telling you to get the warrant application. Because what happens is they even attempt to give you something. Anytime you go into challenging for these things, you go in for these lawsuits, you're going in to actually face your accuser, they're going to use United States v. Leon and the good faith exception. And it reads, as long as a police officer acted in objective good faith in obtaining a search warrant, notice here, it even speaks about the police officer getting the warrant first. Any evidence obtained as a result of the warrant was not required to be excluded at trial, even if the warrant was determined to be invalid after its execution. That is what they're going to use each and every time you have an issue and you challenge them on that warrant and you're suing them on the warrant or you're suppressing evidence at a map hearing. So one of the things that you do is you take that away from them in your argument and you do it immediately because you know it's coming. Because police officers themselves will bear the burden of arrests that are unsupported by probable cause. 
Because you remember I told you, allow everybody else to get out your way. Because no one's going to keep throwing themselves in the way of somebody that's constantly messing up. And by shifting of the cost of unconstitutional arrest from society at large to the officers whose conduct causes such an arrest should have the positive effect of lessening the need for exclusion of evidence because police officers will tend to consider more care carefully the quantum of evidence required to establish probable cause and potential arrest situations. Now, quite simply, if they're being punished for their actions, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child, you know, the one thing that nobody wants to take responsibility for is actually raising children, being a disciplinarian, actually holding folks accountable when they say they're going to do this or that or do the things necessary that allows them to be taken into a different accord. Because if somebody's doing something, and you know what, it, it, it brings it to me because it was a question that I asked. Because it's, am I my brother's keeper? Because that's actually something that I've heard a few of my police officers friends. I'm my brother's keeper. My question is, because I've watched this on several occasions, are you truly your brother's keeper if you cannot reprimand your brother? If you cannot correct the behavior of your brethren, are you truly your brother's keeper? Because one of the things that I do know, on teams, because I'm a basketball guy, you know I got to use that. On teams that I'm on, I expect to be held accountable for the things I'm doing. I also will hold my teammates accountable for the things they're doing. I don't expect anything less. I don't even expect to be nice because can you say you love me? Can you say we have the same goal? If I'm doing something that is not conjoint with our goal, If our goals are not aligned and I'm doing something outside of what we're supposed to be doing as a whole and you continue to allow me to do it, do you really have my best interest at heart? Do you look for me to succeed? Do you want me to be better? Or am I just going to be the bratty child running around hollering and screaming in the grocery store? Is that what you want? Or do you want me to be well behaved and doing the job necessary because most cops don't understand? They say it's a small number of the cops that we're watching. And let's let's give it let's give it give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, cool. You do realize that that small number reflects on all of you. Because you aren't doing anything otherwise to show that we shouldn't think of you in the light we looking at these small people small amount of people. Because at the end of the day, if I'm my brother's keeper, I am going to be my brother's keeper. Because even in this context, they were looking to deter police officers from violating individuals' Fourth Amendment right. A policy allowing direct lawsuits against the police officer for such violations 
will actually promote the same goal. Because if I'm holding you accountable, because this that's notice what I'm using. You understand the verbiage, because words have power. If I'm holding you accountable for your actions, guess what you're not going to continue doing? If I'm reprimanding you for the things that you are doing that aren't lawful, guess what you're not going to keep doing? I'm going to give you guys a quick story, and then I'm going to get back on top. Now, I'm from the age of where we used to get spankings. You know, it, it wasn't abuse back then. It was, it was correcting behavior. You know, and my mother, I've, I, I, to this day, I couldn't tell you what I did. Really couldn't, but I, I, I do realize I got the spanking of my life, and I physically am unable to com- to actually duplicate that act ever again, because my body will completely shut down if it seems like I, I can't even tell you what it is, but I just know I can't do it ever again. Why? Because muscle memory. Because the brain remembers two things, pleasure and pain. And I remember that pain. Guess what my body's not going to allow me to do? I'm not going to keep doing that. I can't do that ever again. These are the, the, the goals, the directives, the proclamations that are being said and set forth for us. And it's not new. It's not new. This has been set out at least 30 years and people are still not using it. Because even whenever I tell you to do it, I still get pushback from it. Now I'm giving you the case that speaks directly to doing it the way I'm saying do it. And let's see what people say. Because when you understand officer discretion and you understand their police procedures, what they're supposed to do, you understand their duties. Because a police officer applying for a warrant and a judge signing off on it, the officer is still liable personally because the officer still has free will. They still have a choice. They still have officer discretion. Why? Because they're the ones on the front line. They're the one that's standing there. They're the ones that's in the thick of it. And while they're going out to get it, it still does not change the fact that they're doing it. Because I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you something that was written by Ellen Keith Gardner. And police officers will tend to avoid arrests or at least defer arrest until they can develop more evidence against a suspect. If you apply the Malloy v. Briggs punishment. What happens is, if you hold them accountable, they are forced to police themselves. I'm going to say that again. If you're holding them accountable... They are forced to police themselves and you reduce the minority report style policing and the guessing by undertrained, fearful, unintelligent officers. You have actual policing that is 
actually acceptable because I constantly tell people there is not one person that hates police officers guarantee is not one but you do know that there are people that hate bad or very poor policing because at the end of the day at the end of the day even in the statement earlier the magistrate certainly has a responsibility to determine from the facts alleged whether probable cause exists because you remember they're reading the warrant application from the police officer the police officer that's there on scene and applying for that warrant is not the entitlement to rely on the magistrate determination that probable cause exists as a shield from liability because a police officer applying for a warrant and a judge signing off on it does not relieve the police officer of civil liability and that is what I want to give you guys today it actually seemed to be a lot shorter than it was but you know I appreciate you guys we're gonna keep going we're gonna keep growing like I said we're gonna start putting these podcasts out on time I'm gonna go back to putting up the hour and a half two hours we're gonna have another video podcast that's going to be starting I believe October 1st and it's going to be called Supreme 846 or 846 and it's going to deal with law but in the context of situations it's going to be audio as well as video we're going to have hosts we're going to do things that are a little different from this one but we're also going to give you something that is more digestible it's going to be more user friendly to say the least and i hope you guys continue to support it because i'm gonna continue giving it to you because at the end of the day the one thing that we all need is the support and direction that puts us where we need to be as a whole you know i love you guys keep supporting the podcast 99 cents 4.99 or 9.99 per month purchase your t-shirts support uh support the channel on either patreon or join the channel on youtube there's four tiers that's ready to go we're going to have patreon exclusive merchandise and like i said we're going to keep going keep growing i love you guys And Supreme, out.